Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. So as we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you guys know that there are a couple new blog posts up for you on my website. It's HelenDenham.com. The most recent one I wrote was about conscious media consumption. Um, You know, as we're coming into this new year, I think a lot of us are reflecting on our daily habits, our routines, how we can love ourselves more and yes, do a little self-improvement, but it's really a great time for reflection. So one of the things I was reflecting on was what has been coming through my screens on my phone, on Netflix, whatever. I realized that a lot of the time, probably 50% of the time, I've been watching stuff that's pure entertainment. Um, And so one of my goals for 2020 is to only consume media for the majority of the week that is educational and generally uplifting. So maybe on Sundays I could watch like my favorite TV show. Like I really loved the morning show on Apple TV. That was super interesting. Um, But the rest of the time I should be watching documentaries and things that will really expand my brain and media that I am very present with. Same thing goes for our Instagram feeds. You know, are you seeing stuff that makes you feel good on there? Um, If not, maybe you need to do a little bit of editing. So hopefully that will help you reflect a little bit on on your media consumption. And I'll let you guys explore what else is on the blog because there are a few more articles up there for you. And finally, if you want to subscribe to my self-care Sunday newsletter, you can DM me, email me, sign up on my website, whatever works for you. It's just a cute little love letter. And without further ado, let's get into today's conversation with Hannah and Nancy. They are the co-founders and owners of Epic Evolution. Oh my gosh, such sweet people. I just love them so much. I met Hannah um, a little while back. She was visiting New York City and we met up for coffee and Dumbo because we'd just been chatting. We actually met over Instagram. We were connecting on music and I loved their collection and like she was just so friendly. I was like, oh my God, I have to meet her. And I was also just really interested to know about how Hannah and Nancy actually started this business from the ground up, how they got there and what their practices are like. I think a lot of us nowadays are more interested in working for ourselves or starting something new on the side, whatever that is. So I really wanted to pick their brains a little bit about what that process was like for them, what struggles they went through to get there. And of course, I wanted to talk about the sustainability of their brand. They have done such an amazing job with committing to reducing their carbon footprint. They really carefully choose their fabrics um, that are sustainable, organic. They work with factories that are ethically responsible, and there's just so much more to learn from them. So I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. And I also wanted to mention just a little disclaimer that if the sound ever sounds like we're not in the same room, it's because we're not. I usually interview guests over a Zoom call. Um, Hannah and Nancy are based in LA, so that's how we got to connect. So enjoy this one, and I'll talk to you on the flip side. So the first question I want to ask you guys, and I like to ask most guests, is how do you start your day off? What does your morning look like? Ooh, (laughs) it depends. On a good morning, on a good morning uh, nerd moment, I like always have my soleil. I'm like obsessed with, it's like, Ayurvedic Gatorade, (laughs) like the absolute best way to start a day. 
And then if I'm very, very good, I'll do a little bit of meditation, just like five minutes to something to set my brain straight. And then normally some sort of exercise, uh, either like yoga or Pilates or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then straight into the coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. So you take a second and you center yourself before you get going. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. How about you, Nancy? So I'm an early riser. I'm up at like 5 to 5.15 almost every morning. I um, inject the coffee immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm an almond milk um, Lady Falcon coffee fan. Um, and then Which she makes her own almond milk and it is ridiculously good. good. Oh, nice. And then I, um, cool. I'm either on a bike ride with my girlfriends, on a run, a hike with my girlfriends, or yoga, um, probably six mornings a week. So that is kind of my, that is my morning ritual that I live and breathe. And if I don't get it, I'm kind of not, I'm cranky through the day. She needs her green magic. Yeah. What about, I'm outside most of the year and when it's really raining and it prohib it's prohibitive, then I'll take classes. So I'll yeah. go in indoors and do classes, but that is my um, morning absolute favorite time to be. She's She's also normally like by the time we arrive to work, she's also like made herself a beautiful fresh salad from the stuff in her garden. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's a very magic thing. By the time Nancy arrives at work, she's like had a full day and I really love it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, have have pumpkin, I have a total pumpkin after like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're getting up that early, it makes sense. And for both of you, for having a meditation practice in the morning or having a routine where you're making sure you get exercise and fresh air, was that something that both of you had to build up to and, and learn how to keep disciplined in that way? Or have you just been like that? I, I mean, I started, I've always loved to exercise because to me, it's my mental space of clarity, thinking about the... Um, the freedom of breathing that feeds my soul. But I started when I had kids, like 20, um, tw over tw 22 years ago of the morning time. That was special because it was my time that was mine that I could capture away from being a mom and working. And I, you know, both of my kids have, have gone to college now, but I still keep that routine because that's what feeds my soul. It's also my girlfriend time. It's kind of cheap therapy. <laughs> we had to spend time with my girlfriends and we really, um, we really share so much in a community form between each other that I cherish those morning hours to connect with my girlfriends in a way that's super healthy. So for me, it's, um, it is literally my grounding force of life. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that I was fully not a morning person at all and like didn't have a good morning ritual for a really long time. And then I started practicing yoga and like that's when everything changed. Um, at first it was just like this need to go to a class and to be held in like that space of community, you know, because it takes so much to be able to cultivate a practice on your own, to have that kind of support was really magical for me. And also to have it be a physical thing, which sometimes is the only way to move through the mental sludge. Um, so that was sort of how it began. And then I feel like as I practice more and more, like I, yogis always say this, and they're always like the things that fall away, things fall away that don't serve you. And I was like, Completely true. Completely true. I feel like the morning rituals have evolved over time. I went through a period where it was very, I was very, I want to say regimented uh, in all my practices. It was like always mantra, always meditation, always chanting, always up yoga, like all this stuff, you know, which was super helpful for me and really important in 
learning which things were going to really settle in me. Um, but then the beautiful thing is, again, like things that don't serve you fall away. And I had a really amazing meditation teacher who was like, um, he's like, meditation is like a giant magnifying glass. It's going to just, you know, increase whatever your vibration is already. And so if you're doing it with like a lot of resistance or feeling like you have to stick to this big, heavy routine, uh, it's just going to increase that resistance. And so I remember the first time I finally like that got through my head. I was like, Oh, you mean I can like lay in bed and meditate and be mindful. Like I don't have to be sitting and like chanting the names of Shiva, like 150, whatever, you know, 108 times. And right. <laughs> I remember laughing at myself because it was like, all of a sudden it went from this like stressful thing to something that became an act of like true love and like pleasure and enjoyment. And I think that it's the same thing, which is why now I'm like, I love my coffee moment in the morning. It's not necessarily about waking me up, but more about like the pleasure of the ritual. And I feel like that's ironically what meditation has taught me more than anything else. And a morning ritual is that it's about how can you cultivate as much joy in as many activities as possible. I love that. That's so true. And I love that you say that it doesn't have to be so difficult or such like a stressful kind of thing. It can be something that feels really authentic to you and just taking that, that time for yourself. That's such a good point. Um, so for the listeners, if they're not familiar with your brand and Epic Evolution, can you give us like your rundown of how this came to be, how you guys met and what made you start this company together? Okay. So we met, um, we, it's past 10 years. We've stopped saying 10 years. I think it's like 12, 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. But, um, we were, we were working together at Athleta and, um, Hannah was already there when I started and I got to sit at her desk. Um, she was on vacation. And so they didn't have a place for me when they hired me. So I sat kind of poaching off of her desk for the first week. And I had all these pictures of this beautiful, amazing, like dynamic. Um, I don't you know, this, the, the life of Hannah was there in photos with her family and her sisters. And I'm like, oh, who is this magical person? And I was so super curious because everyone had said, oh, you're going to love Hannah when you meet her. But I got to know her through other people for about a week before we actually met. And then once we met, we've been like super close friends since. Yeah. Like I always met Nancy as like my big sister, my best friend. And now she's my work wife. (laughs) We got married. (laughs) married. (laughs) It was amazing. I feel, okay, cheesy moment. Like I know we're talking about the brand, but I feel so ridiculous and lucky to work with you every day. I learned so much all the time. I mean, I feel like of all the people who like told me to, caring for myself and also growing at the same time, which are two different and very importantly interlinked things. Like she's definitely been that for me for many, many years. Um, and I think that that kind of leads into why we started the brand. I mean, we both left Athleta and, you know, Nancy took a job where she was traveling back and forth to Colorado and I took a job in Israel, which again, like I took that job because she inspired me to like take a really big leap of faith and explore more and really get big, which you know, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of support to do. So I was living between Italy and Israel working and we decided to meet up in Morocco. And I feel like that's where the magic really began. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so Hannah shows up. We've, um, we're all there. There's another friend of ours that was there and we're carrying our little wheelie bags and our suitcases through the kind of dirtier streets. And like every, the beauty of Morocco is behind the door. So you're kind of like dragging your wheels that don't really work <laughs> on the cobblestone <laughs> street. Yeah. And Hannah comes in, she's in the backpack. And I'm like, you do realize that we are here for <laughs> 10 days and we are going to be 
you know, and the Hyatt and like riding camels in the Sahara and we're going out to dinner in Marrakesh. Like there's a broad range of what we're doing. Cause yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Everything I need because <laughs> life is too complicated. I, she goes, I have been on like three different flights in different countries. And she said, it's just too much to carry everything around. So I just simplified my life and put it in a backpack. And so that was like this magical moment of, wow, this is what we all need. And could we create a wardrobe that was just so functional and so simplified um, that you could just take it on your back and go with it. That was, that was kind of the, and it was after a bottle of rosé. Yeah. <laughs> we have very good decisions after a bottle of rosé. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Love and that. I think another thing that was really to it when we were starting the line too, is that, you know, we've both worked in the industry for a long time and we've been lucky to work with people who have really amazing uh, manufacturing standards and all of that. And yet at the same time, the state of the fashion industry is, as you know, kind of a mess. Um, the sustainable practices are just, there's a lot of work to be done. And so we started the line with this idea of this functional fashion, but also knowing that like at the core of everything, all of our decisions, which we don't even talk about it that much, but like at the core, it's gotta be sustainable. And we actually prefer to use the word responsible because it's everything from the materials to the manufacturing, to the you know, the human element of manufacturing, which is really critical also to the care of the garment, you know, at home on your own. So we're, I think those are sort of the, the key elements that all go into our brand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of brands and people talk about going sustainable or people might think that it might be an easy thing to do, but um, it is a, an incredibly responsible thing that you guys did to make sure that this is one of the pillars of your business. And did you feel like you had to sacrifice anything to make that happen? Or, or what's the difference between having a sustainable brand and a, a brand that's not really sustainable? Like what are kind of the trade-offs that you, you make and why is that, why is it worth it to you? It's interesting that you asked that because I really feel like when we launched this, that we knew that was going to be part of the DNA and the mission of the company. It was much, much harder. It was a, a hurdle that I didn't really anticipate being as challenging as it was. And I think just kind of sourcing what we wanted from the raw materials, we would go to these shows and we would go reach out to our network and we'd find like one piece of the puzzle. And then there'd be another six months that went by. Then all of a sudden we'd find another piece of the puzzle so it's a continual challenge of like, how can we do it in the right way that performs for what we wanted to offer her? Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be ongoing. And we're not saying we're perfect. We're not perfect, but we're making the most informed, best choices that we can at this moment. And we're always open to looking at, we're looking at decisions and kind of changing that DNA because uh, it wasn't black and white. There were, there were pros and cons on both sides of how you went about it. And so we had to figure out what worked within our ethos and our company and saying, okay, these are the decisions we're making and this is why, and putting it out there in an educational format and also being open to hearing new ways and new practices. But it was, I think that part, when you, if you would have asked me at the beginning before we launched, I didn't anticipate that being as challenging as it was. Yeah. Yeah. And how can we be more conscious consumers? I think the awareness and education, like I'm really passionate about it, starting out with education. And I think that you're the fast fashion and there's like really cheap prices and bargain prices. 
they do come at a cost to you, even though you think you're getting a deal and you like it. But I think long-term on the environmental and the human resource playground, those cheap quantities come at a cost and you are actually paying those at a higher cost in your life in the back end. And I think tying those two together and educating the customer about why her choices matter is the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like in general, as a customer, if you can look at the brands and see if you can get information on what materials they're using, where those materials come from, where they're manufacturing, if they're willing to share. So checking on a brand's transparency is always really helpful. And then also thinking about, you know, the price of the garment in terms of, you know, the obvious labor costs, you know, if you're buying something that's very cheap, like Nancy was saying, you know, you're obviously someone is suffering on the other end um, because that manufacturing, that's just the situation at hand. Um, And I would say the more you ask about a brand's sustainability, uh, sustainable practices, the more brands are held accountable. And also the more you talk about it, the more other people are aware that that's something that they should consider. Um, and a shameless plug here, but I do feel like buying from smaller brands because they're going to be producing smaller amounts of inventory. Therefore, there's less waste on the other end. It's just another good um, way to support a sustainable evolution in our industry. And I think, yeah, overall, just like people asking questions and holding brands responsible and getting themselves educated too is it's just a really important key to that. And I, that was the last thing, so many things, but is to really consider what you're buying. Like, how much do you really need? Yeah. How much do you really need? And what's actually going to make a difference? And if those pieces are going to make a difference, then it's going to be okay to buy something that, you know, you've paid for the labor, you've paid for the sustainable fabrics, you've paid for the, the process along the way. Yeah. And like, why, why are we buying it in the first place? Do we actually need it? I took a look in my closet the other day and I was like, okay, before you get something else, if you're going to get something else, maybe donate or give away a couple of your your pieces like why do you need this why am I accumulating things that might be an emotional response to something that I need to buy something so it's it's definitely good to keep that in check as well yeah there's like a line right there's creativity which I think is another important part of being human and I think we express that through our clothes but then there's also like at what expense you know just that's always a dance like there's never like one right answer (laughs) but being mindful is always helpful totally sorry if I'm when I'm asking you a question I'm like not looking at you because my face pops up on my screen and I can't see you guys when I talk (laughs) where am I looking um but I also want to ask you guys um about how you were raised and if you were raised in a family that um you know was ethically responsible and in these specific kind of ways and and how your upbringing impacted your entrepreneurial spirit as well well, my grandmother was the <laughs> ultimate recycler. <laughs> I mean, I look back at her practices and she had it down, but she was also a product of the depression. I mean, she, she had the ball of aluminum foil that was used to its 10th degree forever. You know, she never threw anything out. It had a use and you had to, you had to use it even from food and the garments, like you took care of things. And, and I love, I go back to her. She had, she, she was so enlightened way before. And so somehow our, the generations got away from those practices, but totally that. I mean, we're both from the Midwest, which we jokingly say we're from Ohio. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm from Ohio. She's from Iowa. Mm-hmm. People kind of like push it all together. But yeah. I love kind of the, you know, I feel like we had a lot more respect 
for where your food came from, where things came, where, where things, I don't know, it was a different way of thinking. And I love living on the West Coast. Um, so not to, not to ding that, it was just, and then maybe the geographic location isn't specific to the Midwest, but there was something about that that gave us, I think we have a very grounded, we have a grounded philosophy that is in similar. Yeah, I think that, you know, the experience of the Midwest that I really appreciate, and specifically my parents, and I'm sure yours too, is that um, my mom was very passionate about, like, she had a garden, she grew on food, she canned it, we ate it in the winter. The woman even had a spindle and a loom, like, understanding the process in which things are made and the effort that goes into it changes your perspective on the value of the thing. It does. <laughs> Not that many people are like hand spinning their own yarn. Oh my God. Totally. <laughs> but I think that there is something just being, we're lucky enough to be exposed to it, that then it just becomes a little bit more core. And, you know, I also was very lucky in that my mom got super passionate about the organic food movement early when no one was really into that. And, you know, they, my, both my parents are big into sustainable efforts you know in fact my entire my mother's entire family is really into it my uncle works in like wind energy and um, mm. you know, I think we've been lucky in that we've been exposed to a lot of it um yeah and yeah like again like grandma my grandma as well just like we have this you might need it someday <laughs> mentality you might need it someday and you know but they weren't hoarders they weren't hoarders they this knew that you just you didn't things weren't disposable. Yeah, yeah. And then they had a purpose and they had this lifespan that was beyond the way that I think our current generations use things. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was the biggest difference. And I mean for food too, like my dad had the most amazing garden. We would we would go pick what you ate daily and then you canned or you froze or you prepared it for the rest of the year. But like food was very we understood where it came from. And I think with the apparel business, that got lost. Like somewhere the connection of the the whole chain of where it starts and, and how the how the fibers are created to where the garments are created. Like that's, most people have no idea. Um, yeah, no idea. For sure. That's such a good point. I'm thinking about my grandma now too. She's always made her own overalls. She lives in like North Carolina, the mountains. and just has been wearing the same overalls for like years. She's not that good at recycling, but she does a very good job with her clothes. It's so cute. <laughs> we all have our own skills, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's really interesting. It makes me think too. Um, and something else I want to ask you about the growth of your brand and, and coming into this world. Um, what's one thing that you guys have had to overcome that's been really difficult? Um, it can be anything. And, and how did you get through that? You want one thing? <laughs> <laughs> you can do as much, talk as much as you want about it, because I think this is what people are really interested in hearing too, is, is what issues have you faced and how have you pushed through and been persistent and kept your end goal in mind? Yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll grab yeah. this one. So, I mean, we obviously felt that we could grow it faster and easier and cheaper. Like when we, when we, when we first launched, like we didn't really understand. And I've, I, this is my second business. So I knew how hard it was, but I clearly did not understand all of it. Business has changed so much, but it's, I mean, the, the hard work that it takes and the length of, that it takes is the same, but I, I, you know, for one, one minor example, like we had some early success and all of a sudden we were like doing the customer service ourselves and we were doing the fulfillment ourselves and we're like, Oh, this is really fun. Like we're shipping all these orders. And then that was really fun. And so we were shipping like a thousand orders in two days and all of a sudden 
we were spending all of our time like answering customers, talking with them, doing us like doing all the packaging. And I turned to Hannah, I said, when we launched this business, I clearly did not envision this aspect of our time being there. So then we had to solve that problem. We realized that we needed a team to help us, you know, figure out that part. So we, you know, we got customer service help and we actually were really lucky to get, we have a lot of high school and college students that help us with our fulfillment. So we do have that very hands-on part and it allows us to help, still have a touch point with the customers. So it's um, the communication is back and forth and then, and solving that. But those were like little fun things of like, like, oh, yay. And then all of a sudden, oh, yay becomes how can we, it's not sustainable. Like how do we grow the business and do that? And then on the very real thing, I would say the hardest, the hardest part for me was I had to get over the fear. And I feel like, you know, when we launched this, you have to walk away from a comfortable corporate lifestyle that was secure in a lot of different ways. And I had to get out of the fear of, you know, if this didn't work and did I make the right decision and what was I doing risking so much of my, on a financial level of going out on a limb that was uh, for me personally was super scary and I did go through a time frame after we launched of like three to four months of really a lot of high anxiety of like, I couldn't sleep at night. I was um, really questioning all those decisions of, was this the right thing? And it, in a way it pushed me to a place where I had to be able to find, and this is where it kind of ties back into meditation and the calmness of things of really trusting the universe, getting on the other side of the fear and realizing that no matter what happened, I was still going to land in an okay place that had been, that was, that wasn't, that, that was going to be okay. Like you can still start over again if this didn't work. Um, and I had to just face the fear. And once I turned around and faced that fear and knew that I loved what I was doing, that the idea of the company was, was really what was needed. And I believed in it so much that it, it was, it, it was going to work that the moment that I let go of that is when things turned, but it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. And I had to find a way to quiet my mind and to let me sleep. And I had to like turn around and physically like face the fear and then talk through all the outcomes and then let go of it. And once I was able to let go of it, it changed. I don't even know how to talk about it, but that was, that was, the hardest thing, like the fear, I think the fear of failure, like what if it wasn't going to work? And that was my, that was my biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very, very similar because, you know, not only is it like, does it work or not, but it's just like the daily failure because we're doing, you know, there's two of us. We have our skill sets. This is a business. There's a million different facets that you need to be able to understand in order to run it. And so you only have the background that you have and to be, and you have to have like the, the will and the nerve to constantly do things that you will most likely make mistakes doing because you don't know them yet. Mm-hmm. And even when you do know them, things will have changed. And so I think just like the constant understanding that like, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to get it wrong. And you have two choices, right? You can either stop or you can keep going. 
And I think that that was, again, like a very difficult learning curve to just realize because you can beat yourself up a lot for making mistakes. And it's just going to happen so frequently that it just doesn't really make any sense to be giving yourself a hard time. And I also feel like you learn the most from your mistakes. You so that's, it's but you have so to see, critical. you have to see the beauty in that. And when you're in a, and in the moment, it's really hard to not take them at the self deprecate. De- what do you call it? Deprecation. There yeah. we go. Takes it, it takes an army here. It takes an army. Yeah. <laughs> but to like you just can't beat yourself up so much about it that you have to see where the lessons are. And um it's hard when you're in the moment. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I really appreciate about running a business and has been one of the biggest areas of personal growth too. It's just like getting every day a little more comfortable with making mistakes. And I think that that's something that I really wish everyone had the opportunity to do because again, like how can you possibly know yourself? How can you possibly be mindful if you can't love yourself when you're failing? Yeah. I think it's such a critical, critical thing. And I'm like, okay, not everyone needs to start a business. I get it. But like, you know, giving yourself opportunities for that, I think is really, is really healthy. And it's like a, a blessing and a struggle. I think at the same time. Yeah. And then the other dynamic was for Hannah and I to figure out our roles and how we work together. Cause we had such a strong friendship and um, this is beyond friendship and marriage. Like this was, we were in it. And I think that we had to work through and de- clearly defining our roles was good. And then clearly defining how we collaborate because that's what the secret of the brand was. Uh, and I think figuring that dynamic out. And I, I believe that that's a continual of. Uh, uh, relationship that we're going to work on, but we did some early work on it and it really helped kind of, propel how we work together and where the company was going that allowed the company to blossom a little bit more. And we value that. So we are going to put a lot of emphasis on that as we continue to grow and we continue to work. Like it's important. It's important to feed the relationship along with feeding the company in so many ways. I think that that's actually like culture is such an important thing. And, you know, we get to be responsible for setting that Mm -hmm. and, responsible to each other for like continuing to grow I mean I think that people think that work is just work but I'm like yeah work is just work but you spend how many hours doing that like yeah how do you want to spend that time you know how do you want to spend that time and you want to spend it with people you care about and working on things that are important to you and all that kind of stuff so I feel like that's been and then the other thing that changed is that we were able to add on to our team Mm -hmm. and so once we were able to get support especially where our strengths weren't to add into the company and support the growth of it, that was game changing. Um, that was that was great, and the growth in the sales allowed us to bring on some more people, um, mm-hmm. and that was so beneficial to helping with the success of the brand. Yeah, and for people out there who are thinking about starting their own businesses or going freelance or kind of taking a step back from corporate culture or really working for somebody else. Um, how did you guys get your courage up to do that? Did you have people that were setting examples for you or how did you make that huge jump? I mean, it was a few different things. Yeah, it, it kind of just, just happened. happened. <laughs> and we were very lucky in that we did actually have two different sets of friends who were starting their own thing at the same time. But I feel like for us, it was sort of like, you know, the timing, was, was, right. The timing, the timing was, was right. Timing was right. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in a situation where the company I was working for had sold and I had always, I had had this concept in the back of my mind, but I had all these obstacles of why I couldn't do it. And I think for years, there was reasons why. 
And then for some odd reason, the universe took away all of those reasons. And I was sitting there with a moment and I had a moment in time, which we so rarely ever get. And all the barriers were gone. And I said, if we don't do this, if I don't do this, if I don't take advantage of this, I'll look back on my life and I'll regret it. And I don't want to have regrets. So yeah. once the universe took away the obstacles, then, you know, I reached out to Hannah and Hannah, there was a lot of obstacles there too. She was living out of the country at the time. And I was like, we need to do this. Like this, you're the, you're the person that I, that, that I want to do this with and we need to do this. And somehow we came back together and created this. But I think part of it is looking at when it wasn't like there was a big sign that says, here, go do this. Except that one time when there was literally there was a sign. Big sign. It's actually there's two big signs. So we when we first started this um, this brand, we didn't know what to call it or anything. So it was like yeah, everyone has their, their their covert mission, whatever it was. And it was dream big. Like if you're gonna do this, it's dream big and let's figure out what we're gonna do, right? So uh-huh. we had this like giant umbrella of what this brand was gonna look like and 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 it was called Dream Big until we had a name. Yeah. And so it was about what Six months into it, we have this mission statement and we're driving down the street. And I kid you not, there's this <laughs> huge sign that says dream big. <laughs> we stop the car, we get out, we take pictures of it. And then we were in New York recently too. Mm-hmm. And um, we, had we just visited, we just saw the back of Anna Winter's head. head. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Getting off the uh, off the elevator in the Vogue offices, but we were in the Vogue offices. We didn't see her, but she was walking away from us. That's a um, sign enough, had, yeah. I know. But we had been walking in and out of our Airbnb for like five days on the third floor, schlepping the suitcases. Fifty up pounds. Fifty pounds. <laughs> We'd alternate. It was like six oh. crazy. And like on the third day, we walk out and all of a sudden we just look across the street and it had been there from the beginning, but we didn't see it. And on spray paint, like graffiti, it's dream, dream big. Yeah. Dream big. Yeah. Wow. Dream big. So we have these little that. moments of like, oh yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, those those little moments are so validating and they just make you feel like you're absolutely in the right place and uh, in the right time. Um, and while I have you two in front of me as bosses, I want to ask you about your productivity hacks or kind of tools that you have that help you stay really productive and, and on task. Oh, actually, this is really fun because I feel like this is something coffee. <laughs> it's like, also that. <laughs> but I feel like this is actually something that we had to learn that ties into our earlier question too. But when we both give each other time to work from home or work solo, that's actually insanely helpful because the onslaught of things to do then we both have this space to be more creative, to show up better for each other, to also just like get our freaking work done. And I think that, you know, the combination of those two things has been really, you shouldn't underestimate the power of like a little bit of headspace. Yeah. yeah. And I think just getting to tools at work, I don't care what your tools are. I happen to love um, posted. Yeah. <laughs> so my daily list is kind of posted. And I have this like screen gratification of crinkling it up and throwing it away at the end of the day. Um, 
and then the other the other basic tools we had to develop and figure that out. But I also I make a lot of lists. Um, mm-hmm. In the morning, like when I exercise, I'm clear. My mind's refreshed, and then there's a plethora of things that I have to do. So I make notes um, all the time, and I send myself a, a million texts or emails of the notes that will help me prioritize. And then I think when the day comes, I can sort. And I don't. I think that you never get through everything that you want to do in a day. And I think starting a business is really, really challenging because you can't ever get caught up and you could work all the time. But if you prioritize what has to be done at that point in time of the day, then if you've done that, then you can walk away and take time for yourself, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's hard. It's different. It's different. It's different than working for somebody else, but there is, there aren't a lot of moments where you get to just walk away because you're always working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that I just to add on to that too, is the, you've taught me this too. You're like, look, when you max, you got to like take a minute and you got to like say, you're going to go grab a yoga class or you're going to go for a quick walk outside or whatever. Just, you get really good at being in tune with your, your threshold, which I think is really important. And I think that that's something that doesn't happen as often when you're working for someone else, but it's absolutely critical um, I think always, but you know, when you're complete yourself, you have more of an opportunity to do that because you can't show up for anyone if you're not showing up for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole overarching theme here is like work-life balance kind of, and, and figuring out how to allow yourself to put the work down and pay attention to yourself, which like is part of the work. Um, but is there anything else that you guys do to make sure that you are staying balanced and that you don't get overwhelmed and kind of give into the you know, the waterfall of, of every task that needs to be done. I mean, for me, for me, it's prioritizing that I eat well, I sleep well and I exercise. Mm-hmm. So if I have those in balance in my life, then I have so much more to give. Um, and I think that it's so easy to let that go away when you get swamped and busy and overwhelmed. But if you can, if, for me personally, if I continually prioritize that, like this morning I was in a rush and I knew that I had to have a good healthy lunch today. Like that was like the key thing for me. So yeah. I came to work with my hair wet. <laughs> so yeah. the sacrifice says, okay, your hair is wet. You can pull back in a bun. It's fine. But you're going to eat something that's really healthy because that's going to keep you grounded. Um, it's those things I think are just so key. And for me too, like sleep is just really, really amazingly the biggest thing that proponent that plays in my life. And so I need to make sure that I have, um, you know, shut down at the right time that I'm calm at the right time. And that, that I do get the adequate amount and I don't always get as much as I want, but I know that I'm not sacrificing the rest of it. So that I'm fresh. And a lot of it means like, I'm not going to answer that email tonight, or I'm not going to get you what you need. But if I get up early in the morning, and I'm refreshed, then I'm going to be clear and I can give you what you need and pushing it and feeling okay, pushing it out a day or two. Yeah. I'm like, I hear you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to deliver, but I'm going to get it to you. And it generally waits. It's nothing's going to fall apart. Yeah. That's, that's my thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that making sure that I have time at least once a week for time that's un- unplanned. The other thing I think is really important is uh, emotional off-gassing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had this like thing on our wall for a while. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of like, it's cool. I'm just going to lay on the ground and have a meltdown. I'll be fine in a few minutes. And yeah. I think that that's really true. I think we, 
holding it all together is like really overrated. We yeah. swear a lot. We swear a lot. It tends to distill everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're upset, you kind of use a few profanities and then <laughs> you feel better. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like that energy has got to be channeled somehow. Yeah. Through you. Anyway, that was all. Love that. And to kind of wrap everything up, I, I would love to know what you guys have in mind for like, where do you see yourself in the next five years? How do you see your brand growing and, and yourselves growing? First of all, I was saying to Hannah today that I want to have gratitude every day when I work. I want to have people that I want to work around and surround with every day. That's like the number one thing because that's what we take with us throughout life. So key priority of having those moments um, like above, above everything. And I think that's the beauty of us walking away from the corporate life and starting this company. We work with an amazing team and I'm grateful for that. Those people that surround and believe in us and help us grow it every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that in terms of the brand itself, what we're hoping to do is truly like create a brand. We really believe that um, fashion has not evolved to meet the needs of women. And so we're doing our darndest every day to create things that are actually going to make a difference in your life and allow you to do more of the stuff that you love. You know, one of our models is experiences first, like, cool, you should have great clothes, but like they should never hold you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's what we're hoping to do with the business and just connect with more women and understand more what they're creating in their life and how to design for them and serve them better and constantly be evolving our sustainable practices and staying inspired. And we're in a mission on education too, like educating about the practices, why your choices matter and educating them on badass, amazing women. Yeah. I love, um, I love what we're able to do in our journal and profile some phenomenal women um, in what they're doing and have role models out there in the world that exist on a multitude of levels beyond um, pop culture. Yeah. That to me is um, really criti- critical DNA of the brand. Yeah, I think that we're just very, very excited to every day be contributing to something that we're excited to evolve. You know, that's why it's part of the name. We're really into it. You know, we did a shoot this weekend and I was just so thrilled. Like, I love all the women who model for us. They're all like such strong, real humans. We use just women that we know, people that we meet and that we want to. Yeah, there's just so many awesome areas to evolve in fashion. Everything from like, you know, the sustainable aspect to the functional aspect to the, you know, wonderful new path of like body diversity and age diversity. You know, Nancy and I are really passionate about like, Let's just change how women are seen because it's ridiculous. So I think, yeah, one of our goals is just, we just love to constantly contribute to the evolving state of the world. So that's fun. I love that. You do, you do. And I just want to say thank you for like being here and being in this environment and, and helping us change gradually our consciousness and our shift and understanding of how we consume and how we can be more responsible. I mean, just from getting to know you guys little bit by little bit over the last year, I've really been inspired to make really big changes in, in the way I consume clothing. And um, yeah, we're just lucky to have you in, in the landscape of this. So appreciate it. <laughs> Great. Thank you, so thank you. Of course. And tell us where we can find you um, like on Instagram and, and where people can go to shop your collection. Yep. So you can find us obviously on Instagram and on our website. And so the name is Epoch Evolution. So it's the French spelling. So you get to channel your inner French girl. <laughs> so it's E-P-O-Q-U-E. Yeah. We're the pink dot. <laughs> Beautiful. 
<laughs> two E's evolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we do a lot of pop-ups. So if you, if you follow us on our website, we will continually communicate with you. Um, we did a lot on the East coast this last month. We are in a long-term pop-up at for now in Wellesley outside of Boston and then we have a lot of other touch points every two or three months um, around and um, reach out to us if you want us to come see you and <laughs> we can figure out how to do a pop-up in your area. Awesome. Okay, guys, it's been so nice talking to you and sending you so much love. And I'm going to come find you guys on the West Coast. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I loved talking with them. And leave us a comment on either one of our pages with what you might have picked up on during this podcast. If you learned anything new, we'd love to know. Um, And if you're feeling inclined, drop a review in iTunes. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.